If you want something out there, don't just sit at home and say, oh man, I filled out 30 applications and nobody hired me or nobody took me, you know, for a TED talk. I guess I'm going to give up. Get out there, put on your cha-cha heels and go to the event. You know what I mean? Because I always believe that a a relationship is going to get you farther than sitting home and filling things out online. Welcome back an all-new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever-changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Hey, Jane. Hey, girl. So, Jamie here. Today's a really personal one for me. As you may remember, if you've been following along on our season three journey, Heidi and I did promise you guys some more episodes where we got personal. So no guest, no real script, just real talk. So today I thought it might be interesting to share a story about a recent accomplishment that I checked off my bucket list. It was a big, scary one, but it was something I wanted to do so badly. So I took on the challenge, I broke it down step-by-step, I utilized some amazing resources, and I figured y'all might be interested to hear how it went. So let me ask you a question first. And Heidi, you can answer this. Do you watch (laughs) TED Talks on YouTube? Do you want my honest answer? Yeah. (laughs) I do. What's your honest answer? Uh, My honest answer is when I had a full-time nanny, I used to watch some during my lunch break. Uh, (laughs) It was like a a way to like get a little inspired while you were trying, like you were vegging out, but you weren't watching trash TV. You were like, this is like a, this is a, I'm procrastinating, but I kind of feel like I'm enlightening myself. Yeah. And also like, I don't, I think that like working at the same time as you're eating is bad news for your digestion. So this was like a nice way to digest, to rest and digest and get a little bit of information, but also, in full disclosure, probably since James was born, I haven't watched one. That was five yeah. years ago. Well, I don't think that's a bad thing, but <laughs> I do think that it's something that comes up a lot of us. Other than yours, caveat. <laughs> right? Well, I think the algorithm usually recommends it to us, or it's something that comes up in kind of the modern ethos. And I'm wondering, audience, have you ever wondered what it takes to stand on that red dot and share your idea worth spreading? Or maybe you know what a TED Talk is, but also like, what the hell is it exactly? And also, what's the difference between TED and TEDx? Can anyone do it? What types of things would one share? And how the hell do you get picked? Well, I've got all of those answers and more because late last year, actually on September 15th, I spoke at TEDx Wilmington. It was an absolute dream, but also straight up terrifying. So I'm going to tell you all about the process and how it came to be. Listen to this show if you've always loved watching TED Talks for a little inspo on YouTube, like me, and you want to learn more about it. You love hearing cool behind-the-scenes stories of how people like Jamie made their dreams come true, or you secretly always wanted to share your truth from the red dot, but you do not know where to start. So Heidi, I already asked you if you watch TED Talks. I'm just kind of wondering, like, have you ever had a desire to do public speaking or to do a TED Talk? Or is it something that you're like, nope, not for me? So I feel like I do public speaking every time I teach a class. True. Right? Like I have a platform. I have a captive trapped audience. (laughs) Trapped. (laughs) So it's no, but you know what I mean? Like they're in the room. They're on their mat. I've been in that yoga burpee session. I know. (laughs) So I, I feel like I, I get to be on a soapbox anytime I choose, right? So for me, it was never a big desire, which is interesting, right? Because I can remember when I first started sort of really becoming public in the yoga scene and the fitness and wellness scene, 
not just New York City, but nationally, internationally, and, you know, being asked to teach all over the world and all those sort of things. And people would be like, well, where's your book? What about your book? Right? Like, I think there's like, a f- there's different things, right? People are like, what's your TEDx talk? What's your TED talk? Where's your book? Right? These are like boxes to check for some people. And I just remember me like, I don't really have anything to say in a book. Like, I just, I don't feel a desire to write a book. Not that I don't have anything to say. I just, as you know, and our listeners know if they've listened enough, I suffer from the biggest case of imposter syndrome that has ever existed. You know, Microsoft asked me to write the encyclopedia of yoga. And my reaction was literally like, you must be looking at the person behind me. You can't possibly be asking me. Like, I just, I I suffer from- Meanwhile, then you went and nailed it. I did. Thank you. But <laughs> but it's just, it. it's not my, my brain doesn't think in the way of like, I don't think in the way of I have something to offer. I know I do, or I wouldn't be teaching these yoga classes. You know, I have this burning desire to share the things that shaped my life and changed my life, but I don't think about them in, you know, as big of a scope, I think, as many people do. And I think like my way of reaching more people is Instagram or the app, because now I'm like, anybody can take my yoga class from anywhere at any time. And it's not limited to location or money or any of those things. So that was a very long-winded story of saying, I've never thought about doing a TED Talk, even though I know exactly what it would be. Well, wait, you do? Yeah. What? It would be how you heal yourself. You choose to heal or not. And I've because I've done it so many times, when I was told it was impossible. Heidi, that's a good TED Talk. It's a superpower you can choose to possess. Okay, well, I'm just saying, I might just have to compel you to do that eventually, but- <laughs> You are very I, convincing. <laughs> I think this is a very relatable feeling. Imposter syndrome, we all have it on some level, or that feeling of unworthiness. But the cool thing about TED and TEDx, and I'll explain what the difference is in a minute, is that it's just about having an idea worth spreading. That is literally the only criteria. The talks are 18 minutes or less, and the difference between TED and TEDx is that TED is like the big one, like the big, big, big talks. And then TEDx are more regional. So people hold TEDx events throughout the country. And there's ones that have been going on for many, many years. And yeah, and it's just another way to participate in the TED experience. So yes, there's a little red, that red dot on the stage is usually involved. Yes, all of the TED kind of iconography is on the stage, even if it's a TEDx, um, but it's just a little more of a local event. And that while they like you to have a local tie to where that event is being held, they do not require it. So you could speak at any TEDx, even if it's not in, say, your hometown. What they actually like, their description of themselves is that they are a showcase for speakers presenting great, well-formed ideas in under 18 minutes. So sounds easy, right? What you probably <laughs> no. wouldn't expect. Yeah. Uh, what, you, what you probably wouldn't expect is that like about eight quadrillion people Uh, actually do applications for these events. And it's very difficult to get picked. In fact, I'm going to tell you more about that in a second. But if you're wondering, like, wait, I know I've heard of these TED Talks. Some of the most famous ones that you may have heard of, like Amy Cuddy had a famous TED Talk on body language. She talked about power posing. You might have heard of that one. I remember that one. It always trickled into my consciousness. Brene Brown was the first one I was introduced to. Brene Brown um, using the power of vulnerability is her topic. That's basically what launched her career into the juggernaut that she is today. So for me, you know, I am a burgeoning keynote speaker. And what that means is that over the past several years, ever since I left my corporate job, I've been an influencer and a a television personality and a podcaster here with the fabulous Heidi and a couple other things. But I've really been working, you know, year on year to make sure that I'm 
building ownable parts of my business. And what that means is for all of those young women out there who always ask me, how do you, how do I become an Instagram influencer? I always say like, don't. <laughs> not that it's not a wonderful thing to have influence and use it responsibly. But as Heidi and I have often said, and our reason for starting this podcast, there's a lot of fluff out there. And so as I got older, especially somebody actually asked me, and this was like a dagger to my heart. They're like, let me ask you a question. Do you want to be an influencer for the rest of your life? Or do you want to be a thought leader? I was like, oh shit. You know, <laughs> I try to be a thought leader on Instagram. However, I also don't want to build my business on the back of rented land, right? Anything could happen to Instagram tomorrow. I don't Totes. own it. And I wanted to make sure that I was building tangential, separate tentacles in my business that were owned. My coaching business, my keynote speaking business, different parts of my, you know, different revenue streams and different ways to get my message out there. So I was like, okay, I really have, I love sharing my message from the stage. I want to do more keynote speaking. I think doing a TEDx would be a great way to start this off. How the hell do I do that? Like I had no idea how to start. So I literally started Googling, probably because I had been Googling around a little bit, like how do you apply for TEDx? Like, what does that look like? And that's probably why I was served up an ad <laughs> for a company, for a thing called Thought Leader. Now I had never heard of this before. This is not sponsored by the way. I just use them and I think they're great. So I'm just sharing about this because you might like them too. The guy's name is Taylor Conroy. He's become kind of a, a huge name in the world of specifically TEDx. Like his program is if for people who want to get on the red dot. And so I, I went to a webinar, like it was like, you know, oh, these are all sales funnel things. It was like, we have webinars coming up. Oh my gosh, there's one starting in 30 minutes. I was like, oh my God, I'm gonna <laughs> sign up. What are the odds? Like, you know, I'm so easily marketed to, even though I'm a marketer. So I sat in this webinar. It was like a one hour webinar in the middle of the day. I happened to have, you know, lunch hour that I was gonna take. And I watched it and I was like, this really makes sense. This seems, this seems like this guy's like, he systematized the TEDx process and it feels like it could really help me. And so I signed up and it wasn't particularly cheap, but the investment obviously paid dividends because it got me to my end goal. But I will say this, what fascinated me, Heidi, was the amount of people in this program, knowing that it wasn't cheap. And I'm not saying it was terribly expensive. Like if you want to get to TEDx, I would recommend looking into it and making the investment, but it wasn't cheap. And there was so many different types of people. Like Heidi, I would think that the other people in there would be like all, I don't know, like keynote speakers and just, I don't know, people that, I mean, when I say there were all different kinds of people in there that had never done public speaking before, that just had a, an idea they had wanted to share on that red dot for, it was a bucket list thing. Everybody has a story. Yeah, but there were, and some of these people I was like, what is your motivation for wanting to do this? I find it so fascinating, you know, and it was fascinating to me. So anyway, I went through their program, you know, it's like any program is like stage one, stage two, and you kind of, you go through the process. First, you have to figure out what is your idea worth spreading? Do you have that pinned down? Is it a good idea? And then they help you kind of break down that, that application process. Getting ready to do your applications is a huge thing. That alone, this process from beginning to end took me almost a year. I need to ask you about this because I heard you talking about it a little bit when we actually did our Nashville trip, I feel like with Amy, yep. right? You said there were some crazy number of times that people usually have to apply before they get accepted. What is that number, Jane? What Taylor Conway told us in Thought Leader was that the average number of applications is 87 before you get picked what? or get like, called back or whatever. 87 no's in a row. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like acting. <laughs> yeah, it is. 
it's quite, you know, they only have Thick a couple skin. spots for each one. They usually have like five or six people at each one and they may maybe do them once a year, mm -hmm. right? And they're all over the country. So like, you got to figure it's a numbers game. So I went through my, my application. Uh, I got the application. You kind of do like a general application. So you have like a template and then you go and do the, each application for each place is individualized. So anyway, I went and I did them. I started filling out application after application over and over and over. And here's what actually happened. I saw that TEDx Wilmington was coming up. I live 20 minutes from Wilmington, Delaware. Nice. I said to my husband, babe, we are buying tickets to this thing. They were like 99 bucks. I'm like, I don't care. We are going I am wearing Ted Red. We are sitting in the audience. I'm paying attention. I'm taking notes. I'm going to meet the organizer and I'm going to get on that stage. That's actually how it happened. One of our previous guests that was just on a couple of weeks ago, Jason Duncan, actually happened to be on the stage. When I went, I sat down and I'm like, oh my God, I know one of these people that's talking. What are the odds? <laughs> I think the universe put me there. And he introduced me to the organizer. Now, I, I mentioned this to say, like, if you want something out there, don't just sit at home and say, oh man, I filled out 30 applications and nobody hired me or nobody took me, you know, for a TED talk. I guess I'm going to give up. Get out there, put on your cha-cha heels and go to the event. You know what I mean? Because I always believe that a, a relationship is going to get you farther than sitting home and filling things out online. For sure. So anyway, I get accepted for the talk and now I'm like, oh shit. Now I got to like write the talk. I got to like do the thing. So I went through a talk writing intensive. It's really fascinating, Heidi. Like when you have that little time, 18 minutes or less, it really should be less, right? I think the highest viewed TED Talks are like nine minutes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the shorter attendance span of Americans. The things that you're going to say in those minutes have to be so well thought out and the arc of your story has to be so tight. So they have a very good formula for a good talk. It's hook. Up story, down story, sorry, journey, main point, audience impact, close. So I'm not gonna go into all of that because this is not a writing class, but what I'm gonna tell you is you don't just sit and like have verbal diarrhea. Like you like have to think. <laughs> you have to think about how the audience is gonna be moved. You're gonna bring them up, you're gonna bring them down, you're gonna show them how this point would impact them and then leave them with a nugget, right? So I can't my mind is like totally blown that the talk isn't written when you get accepted. Like I would think you would have to submit your actual talk to be accepted. You don't. The The application is really much more about, I think they want to know why, they want to know the name of the talk, a little bit about what you're going to talk about, but they want to know a lot about why you're the person to share this idea. Huh. They also want to make sure that you're not up there to market something. They want to make sure you're not up there to sell because that is not the place. And I, I appreciate that. You got to be up there to spread an idea right? And to make an impact. And so the application process is more about that. And then you have to write the real talk. The hook, uh, just to give you an example, my hook was I got on the stage and I started my talk by saying, I feel like I need a muzzle. And to give you the context of what that means, this was a, a text that I had received from a coaching client in just her utter desperation of not being able to stop emotionally eating. Oof. And Oof. I feel like we're at this really oversensitized time in history around diet culture being bad. Diet culture is bad, bad. Yeah, diet culture can be bad. But like the fact remains that 62% of America is overweight or obese. I didn't make that up. CDC said it. Yeah. And people still need someone to hold space for them to help them with that stuff. And so I knew this was already going to be a controversial TED Talk because I knew that people were going to come at me and be like, don't you know, we don't talk about bodies. We don't talk about dieting. This girl was struggling. 
it's mental. It's it's, it's like, mental. like, it's not a disorder, but it's a mental, like, and I don't want to say disease, but in the way that like depression is, or it's, it's a mental hurdle, I guess, is the word that weight is mental. Yeah. So of course people need help. I know. But we, meanwhile, we all like to pretend that nobody wants to talk about diet culture, but meanwhile, everybody's on Ozempic. It's like, I don't even, it's like so hard to have this conversation with people because I just wish we could get back to the middle where we could just have like a sensible conversation about health and nutrition. But wouldn't that be amazing if we could be in the middle anywhere about any conversation? About anything, now? literally anything. <laughs> So I knew that it was gonna, there was going to be like a little bit of a sizzle to it. And I was okay with that, you know, but you're absolutely right. And Heidi, just for clarity, like if we're talking about specifically binge eating disorder, like a lot of people have undiagnosed, that actually is classified by the Journal of American Medicine as a disease and disease yeah. broken down as dis-ease. Like this girl yeah. was at dis-ease, right? With herself. And so I talk about my, I talked about the big ask and how I use accountability to help people. But so you were allowed to talk about that, even though it's not for pitching. I did not talk about the coaching program whatsoever, but I did say, I was telling my own story and what got me to my point of desperation. And I did say, and that is when I made my big ask. And then I say, you know, you see, I believe that by asking for help, yada, yada, yada. Mm -hmm. If people are curious, they can Google it further, but I, I wasn't there to pitch. Yeah. You know? But that was your hook. Yeah, that was my hook. And then I had up story about going to Disney World, then a down story about literally the deepest, darkest time of my entire life, which if you want to hear about it, please Google, you know, Jamie Hess TEDx. And I also link it in the show notes. Then I take you on a little bit of my journey. And then I kind of get to the main point, which is that we need to ask for help. And then I talk about how in closing, how people can integrate this into their own life and one next step they should take to do it. And then I close. I was extraordinarily vulnerable in this talk. I talked about things that my own mother had never heard me talk about. And so she watched it and was like, whoa, you know, <laughs> I felt it was really important for me to do that. Like this, if I was ever going to do it, this was the stage to do it. Yeah. And so I did it. But I guess, you know, in talking about how I prepared for it, the amount of preparation to get that vulnerable, like I had to practice. I practiced so much. Poor George. Poor Valentina, our, my assistant, who <laughs> literally sat there in a chair and listened to me <laughs> repeat this damn TEDx talk. But I had to because in order to shake off the nerves to get that vulnerable, I had to do it like backwards and forwards. They actually recommend you take it and you kind of pull the, the speech apart. So like I would do my up story in my garage and then I would go outside and tell my down story. And then I would go in my basement and I would tell my audience impact. So you have it so memorized that it's memorized in parts and you don't need to, if you get, you won't get lost that way. So I did a ton mm. of preparation for a couple months and I, I really, I looked at this as one of the most important moments of my life and I treated it that way. And I'm now that it's in my rear view, I just want to say like, when you have something like this that you go after, and Heidi, we talked about this in your solo episode. It's like, as adults, sometimes we forget to just pursue a big dream or go out there and make a big yeah. goal. Because you have these self-imposed limitations as a grown-up that you never had before. Because when you're growing up and when you're a kid in the school system, you're told you can be whatever you want to be. You can do whatever you want to do. Hard work will get you there. And then you become a grown-up, but at some point you're like, oh, I can work as hard as I want and I still might not get that thing. Or there's too much risk to want that thing. Absolutely. But there's some things that like the risk reward, it's like you're doing your musical theater journey right now. You know, maybe for somebody out there, it's running a marathon or running a 5K, but having something in your sight line that you can prepare for, that you, that you get nervous for, that you have to push past those nerves. 
that sense of accomplishment. It's like nobody can take that away from you, you know? Like you did the thing. And if you're having a sense of feeling unsatisfied in your life, pick a hard thing and just focus on that one thing for a while. You can literally build that sense of accomplishment in. You can do it yourself. You can, it's a little, it's like an accomplishment in a box. You know, I'm going to pick this thing. I'm going to train for it. I'm going to accomplish it. So if your life is feeling a little flat, a little empty, a little sad, a little like, man, it's just the same thing. I go to work, I come home, I do the laundry, I do the things. Gotta get something in your life that's hard, but that you can focus on and be proud of. Because this is something that really showed me that I can do anything. Like this this was my big, I can do anything. My marathon experience was that in 2016. And this was probably the next hardest thing that I've ever done since 2016. I love that. So it's really been an exciting thing that spurred on the rest of my keynote speaking career. Like over the last year, that part of my career has really taken off because I, I became confident. Mm -hmm. That day on that stage, I became a speaker. And so I decided to throw myself fully into this other part of my career because I realized how much I really loved it, you know, and it's such a powerful thing. I, I really feel like it was, it was worth that, that almost near year that it took me from idea to completion. So when you talk about worth, yeah. is there, I think a lot of people kind of wonder like on this road to TED or TEDx or whatever the road is for each individual, are there costs associated with it? Only I chose to work with Thought Leader. That was my choice. But other than that, no, there's not costs to participating, which is great. So there's no barrier. There's literally no barrier to entry if you have what it takes. Yeah, you're absolutely right. That's pretty cool. It is really cool. And I think that's a really good point, Heidi, is that like some people are like, yeah, I'd love to, you know, take a class or take a college course. But like that sounds expensive. You know, I don't know if I can do that. There's got to be something. If your answer is like, yeah, I don't have any disposable income, then you're not thinking hard enough, right? Because anybody can like get the Couch to 5K app, I think that's what it's called, and train for a 5K, right? Anybody can, whatever it is, you know, like join a book club and complete one book a month. That's a sense of accomplishment. So I'd love to ask you guys, listeners out there, just to ponder on that for a minute. What is one thing on your personal bucket list that you could pull off that damn list right now and choose to bring to life. Heidi, I'm wondering with you, other than your, or it could be your musical theater experience, but is there something that comes to mind for you? Oh, gosh, that is such a good question. And I wish I had a ready answer. There's so many things, Jamie. <laughs> yeah. Maybe one that's outside of the box, right? Like, I feel like we yeah. all have business goals, but I feel like this is like different. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I mean, hmm. Getting back to musical theater was huge for me. Yeah. That was really huge because that was my heart. It was my soul. It was my whole origin story. So being able to really slip so seamlessly back into it was, I feel like when the show is all said and done, you know, knock on wood, there'll be a huge feeling of accomplishment with that because it just goes to show that I don't have to put myself in a box. I'm not one thing. I can be many things. You know, I don't just have to do yoga. I don't just have to be a yogi. I can actually explore other parts of my personality. And I think that's a really important lesson in choosing any goal or anything to do is just to remind yourself that you're not, you're not backed into a corner. There's the whole world out there and there are only the walls of your own making. So, you know, take them down. I love that. Did you ever think you would get back into musical theater? No. You didn't? No. Amazing. No, no, I definitely, definitely didn't. And I also don't think that if Cheryl, the founder of Crystal Theater, hadn't reached out to me personally and asked me 
I don't think I would have. So I think that's a good reminder though. Like maybe don't wait though until it's great because like, you know, I had a lot of stars align that made this come to life for me and that can happen, but also don't wait for that to happen. Right. And if there's something in your mind's eye, if you're listening to this right now and you're like, I don't know, that thing kind of was a pipe dream, but no, this is your cue. That's the thing. Whatever the first thing that jumped into your mind was, that's the thing. And what's one action you could take on that thing, even if it's just researching it, just Google it, Google it, give it a good old googs and see one step you could take on it today. Because I'm telling you, it could set your life in an entirely different direction. My TEDx experience sure did for me. So Heidi, should we bring this around the corner? I love it. James, do you have a karma call? Well, I kind of just did it, but I guess (laughs) I would just say, take that action today. Pick that bucket list thing out of your mind's eye and really right now, pen to paper, write down one action you're going to take in pursuit of that. Can I add, I know this is not normal, but I do because you just inspired me. I think that first, because if you're like me and you have so many things in your head, I think you need to make a list. I think you need to write down like, and I think you mentioned this on our last solo episode, like really take pen to paper and write down things that bring you joy, things that are on your bucket list. Have you even thought about what you want to do? Have you thought about what inspires you? That's a great point. You know, we had Jara Bean on the show, uh, Jara Foster Fell, but she's known by as Jara Bean on Instagram. She was one of our first guests on Off the Gram. And I follow her to this day. She's still a good friend. She lives in um, Austin now. But I always see her in the pursuit of fun hobbies. She's taking roller skating lessons. She's taking a shuffle dancing class. Like, you know what I mean? Like just different weird cooking classes. And I'm like, wow, this girl's living life. You know what I mean? She's living life. And so sometimes you, you don't even know what's out there, right? So putting pen to paper and just making that list of what you might like to do to begin with, I think Heidi is a great piece of advice. So I think we just like reverse engineered your karma call, right? So we made yeah. it applicable to literally everyone listening. So it's like, if you don't know what brings you joy, sign up for some classes and try different things. If you do know what brings you joy or you have a good sense of it, take your pen to paper. And if you have that bucket list, Jamie's karma call is to take that action, figure out the first step and take that action. Love it. Well, thanks, Heidi. Thanks, everybody, for indulging my little TEDx journey. I hope it was interesting and it brought you joy and maybe a little bit of information if it's something that's on your bucket list or just something you've always been intrigued by. Thanks for tuning in today. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off The Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.